When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Really long arms, he's big, he's strong. Um, you know, we, we do feel confident that he'll be able to step in and uh, and fill that role, but uh, obviously anytime you lose a captain and a guy that has that much impact on your team uh, and has played really well this year as well, so... Um, Definitely, definitely hurts to lose him, and I know it hurts for him, you know, going going all the way here, and now we're about to go into the playoffs and hopefully try to make a run here, and uh, for his season to be over, it's it's hard on those guys. Big, long arms of Ole Udo. How far can they take the Vikings' offensive line? That's the question. This is a Feedback Friday here on Purple Daily, where we uh, basically just turn the show over to you guys. We answer your questions, comments, concerns, critiques, whatever it is. And this show is all about wanting the Vikings to win a dang Super Bowl before we die. So they will they will attempt to do that next week as either the two or the three seed, depending on what happens this weekend. Purple Daily is presented by our friends over at TCL. Redefine creativity with the TCL 30V 5G smartphone. Enjoy blazing fast 5G speed, an AI-powered 50-megapixel triple camera system. So many megapixels. Ultra-realistic and true-to-life visuals powered by Next Vision and booming sound from the dual speakers. Learn more at TCL.com. And also Surly Brewing Company. Judd Zolget repping the, the Surly swag today, I see. I am indeed, and guess what? The weekend is here, and late. And ladies and gentlemen, that means that it's time to crack open a Surly, a Furious, a Logic Bomb before I die. Um, any one of the number of fantastic beers that our friends from Surly produce, and guess what? The Vikings game on Sunday, a perfect time for a regular season finale before I die. I Right? Because the playoffs are coming up, and as always, show us your cans. I'm at Jay Zolget on Twitter, at Score North on Twitter. We always love to see you when you are sipping on a can of the most delicious beer around. Yes. So thank you guys for making this podcast one of the most popular football podcasts in all of the United States of America last year, which is kind of crazy to say that. But the response from you guys and just the passion from Vikings fans is very palpable. So thank you for listening or watching, whether you love listening or watching or whether you just do it because you hate us every day. We appreciate you. Thank you. Let's start with some feedback here. You can always hit us up through the Score North app. There's a feedback tab that you can send us messages or requests to be on. Write that down on Wednesdays. We also monitor Twitter, Instagram, Score North, TikTok, and YouTube. 
there's a theme here for the first few of these. I just want to brace you guys that some people are starting to, I guess some people are starting to lose a little faith in Kevin O'Connell based on yet another blowout. And so just some Kevin O'Connell stuff early on here for you guys. All right. Ken Olson says, after watching last week's game, I feel like Kevin O'Connell was not ready for the job. Just like the Dallas game, when things started to fall apart, he didn't pivot. There was no sleight of hand. The defense seemed to know it was coming. Uh, once was a fluke, twice is a trend. You could argue it's been more than twice, actually. But the absolute worst was when Justin Jefferson was disrespected uh, by Jair Alexander, and both he and Kirk Cousins did nothing about it. It was like seeing a bully pick on a kid and all of his friends staring at their feet watching it happen. How do you respect someone after that? I honestly feel sick and can't stand to look at him. I haven't watched a single post-game interview uh, this week. Him and Kirk disgust me right now. This is a little over the top from Ken, but I said to you guys on Ventline after the game, when a dude in the, in the early part of the game, when Jair Alexander punks you like that and mocks you with your own celebration, yep. There has to be some response. I'm not saying you have to get up and like get a 15 yard penalty and shove him or whatever, but I feel like you have to go. You can't then like not complete a pass to Justin Jefferson until the third quarter. You have to come back and football punch him in the yes. face. Yeah, I, there, there are definitely coming off that game red flags. There's no question about it. Um, the whole, I mean, it's somewhat amusing because it sounds funny, but the whole seven stud cleat thing and the fact that the Vikings told their players last week, the surface in Lambeau, is going to be slippery. And the players are like, that's not that bad. And, and then the sun goes down. And of course it becomes an ice rink. Um, and, you know, we're still talking about that. That's a, that's a thing here. So here's where I'm going to, here's where I think I'm going to land here. Okay. Cause I don't want to dismiss this stuff. Like when players don't listen to a coach, um, or to common sense, or when a coach struggles with things, I don't think it's, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. But I will say this. The Vikings have won, what, 12 games right now? And Kevin O'Connell is in his first year. Um, my expectation was, I don't, we, the day he was hired, we knew that he came from a good background with McVay, but we didn't know a thing. And like some of these guys who come off coaching trees, i.e. the Belichick tree a lot, are massive failures. So I think the real question is, is can Kevin O'Connell or will he, does he learn from these things? Because the problem is repeating the same mistake. And I agree. The Dallas game, the Packers game, and the first half of the Colts game are inexcusable. Like that, if you're going to be a good team, you get a mulligan like that maybe once a season because you're going to lose some games, but you don't get like to just get blown out and, and come out completely unprepared at home against the Colts. But I, but I am willing to say I will also take a step back and now say, okay, how does this change in 2023? Like, what does O'Connell learn? And O'Connell has bent over backwards to be the player's friends. That's going to come at a price sometimes because guys, and I think we talked about this going back, guys, to the start of the season. Guys are going to push that. Like, there are going to be certain guys who are going to then say, oh, oh, I got the coach. So now the question becomes, how does O'Connell adjust and change a bit so that when he tells them they need to do something, it's not like open for just a general discussion. It's like, no, yeah. what we need to do. I'm willing to give it some more time. Yeah. And like the thing is, the, the cleats thing, it's funny. They, they probably lose the game regardless. It wasn't like there was a 40-point gap at one point in that game before garbage time. So to say, to say that like the playing surface and the cleats were the reason why they lost. But 
there were some key moments where guys slipped and, you know, a, there was early in the game, like TJ Hawkinson slipped and there was an incomplete pass that would have been a 15 yard catch. So why is it that it's, it's that loosey goosey like these Kevin O'Connell has been around the NFL for 15 years. Wes Phillips family has been around the NFL for 50, 60 years, right? Mm-hmm. Those guys know what the playing surfaces are like. And these 23, 25 year olds don't. So that it's a, it's a little thing, but it's, if, if you guys have an ironclad recommendation for what that surface is going to be like, and you know what cleats you should wear, why is it an option? Like, why is it just, well, you know, this is our recommendation, but player empowerment. So that is something I'm not saying like fire him. I'm not out on him. Like the emailer is, but that is something that they gave themselves very little chance because they didn't mandate the right cleats in a game, which is interesting. I think let's kind of look at to what, what has he done that is worth criticism over these first 16 games of his career? Um, I'll even self-report that, you know, he has sat at the podium in those losses, the blowout losses, the Cowboys, Packers, and first half against the Colts. Of He always talks about, hey, I thought we had a good week of preparation, and it turns out we didn't, which is good. I, I like that he realized, hey, I thought we were prepared for this. We weren't prepared for this. How can I change that? What can I figure out? So preparedness is one of those things that he has to be better at. Um, two, he inherited a, a, a pretty poor defense and trusted it to a guy that he thought was going to m- turn it around and tweak some things and make it better. And it turned out, I think at the time, we all kind of said, okay, let's have a veteran guy like Ed Donatel roll at that defense. But that hire was on Kevin O'Connell, and it's turned out to be, let's be honest, a pretty bad hire. It was a bad hire. Yeah. Um, and then three, I would say, from Kevin's point of view on the offense, uh, which is something I've harped on, is the short-to-go situations. I mean, he has, he has basically sabotaged possessions when it's short-to-go situations. These are overcomplicated things. They've taken shots. I think those are kind of three things that I have looked at. And these aren't things that are worth being fired over by any means, but they're three areas that he can definitely improve upon. Not firing Kevin O'Connell yet. Jack's calling for his head. I know Um, how people are going to interpret this. Like any sort, sometimes any sort of criticism or critique of a Vikings person means that we're haters or out on them. And if, if that's jarring to you, yes, we criticize Vikings players and coaches sometimes. So. Just know that going into the show. You just read a note from a guy who said he can't even even stand to hear Kevin O'Connell's voice. We're just trying to address that. You know, the short yardage thing, that's a good segue into Cody Anderson's comment here via the Score North app. What happened to Kevin O'Connell's short yardage and goal-to-go creativity? Earlier in the season, we saw the beautiful and nifty Rager motion pitch play for a touchdown against the Bears, the jet sweep end around to J.J., against the Saints for a touchdown, Madison screen pass for a touchdown against the Saints, uh, motion fake pitch to J.J., then pass to Thielen for a touchdown against the Lions, and he lists a bunch of other ones. Yeah, like er, the first half of the season, it was just a bag of creativity and spreading the wealth inside the five-yard line. I was enamored with this stuff early in the season, and this is what I was mostly looking forward to when we hired a young offensive-minded coach. All of these plays yielded easy touchdowns. Ever since then. If we're on the goal line, we just line up and run up the gut three times and get stuffed. Or on third and short, decide to throw a 40-yard bomb that usually gets broken up. What happened, and why did we stop using these types of creative plays in short yardage, goal-to-go situations? Is this too much revisionist history? Because I think he's right. It just kind of feels like the first half of the season, it was anything could happen. Jet sweep motions, Jalen Rager over here, fake J.J. Thielen wide open, and now it's like, that one the, on the one yard line against the Packers after uh, the block punt, they 
it just kind of uh, ran into a brick wall a few times. It was weird. Yeah, and they also ran behind a line that I'm not sure of the gut that, that you really should in that situation. All right, let's break this down. Let's get into the football football of this because I think this is a good point and it's interesting. Football. First of all, I think it's very. I think the third and short and fourth and short decisions are very different than the red than the deep red ones, and those I agree with him completely. I don't know. There, there's got to be a happy medium between Zimmer's love of the run and O'Connell's love of of I can take the, this shot. And the speculation that I've heard from football people is that O'Connell often, if the third down play gets stopped, comes back on fourth and says, "I've got another." play another a pass play and it's going to work and it doesn't sometimes the deep red one though i think is this one so keep in mind kevin o'connell um while he certainly brought ideas from the mcveigh tree here also had some of his own ideas to introduce and it's a bag of tricks so you show up here with with a huge bag of tricks you're you're like santa claus it's over your back you've got it you're carrying it into tco and you unveil the, the the bag of tricks slowly but surely against certain looks as well. So, like, you like the look. You say this play works. The regular play works against this look. You use it. Well, again, and, I mean, this is, like, the – this is the thing about football that's incredible. They People who do these jobs have no life. They then spend all week long watching film of what you did, okay? Yeah. Like, they've got the cut-ups. They've got every tendency. And so now, once you use – the first trick, now the defense is prepared for it. And you can see by the look that they're prepared for it. So eventually when the bag of tricks runs lower and you don't like the look, you don't try to run the play. So like that's where the deep red thing I think has gone from, oh my God, this is a high flying, this is great to watch, to yeah. O'Connell's not seeing the look to get the play. And so now he's going to a and now he's going to a play that's more traditional that he thinks will work against the look, and it doesn't. That's where this the game, the game within the game of decisions on play calling, to me, is so intriguing. Uh, according to Football Outsiders, the Vikings on third and fourth and short yarded situations are the 14th ranked effective team. So they're right in the middle. I feel like early in the season, they are. I feel like I pulled this up after the first month and they were like number two in the first half of the season. By the way, the Rams are number one. Sean McVay's putrid Rams are still very good in those third and fourth situations. Number two is, is the Chicago bears likely because they have Justin Fields who can just kind of run for five yards or 10 yards or whatever. Right. Right. Well, and this also gets into a a deeper discussion of this. What does O'Connell's ideal quarterback do? What do you mean? What do you mean? Kirk Cousins is his ideal quarterback. What are you talking about? What do you mean? I'm just saying being negative. Let's start to let's start to really strip things apart here, boys. Let's start to do what the Vikings will do. And let's just say this. K- KOC says it's, for him, more of a gut feel at times on fourth down, right? For, fourth and short. Like, yes. he's punted and, where... And third, yeah. Yep, but, I mean, he's punted... Oh, yeah. He's he's punted on fourth and short where some of his contemporaries don't punt much, yeah. if at all. Or kick so, a field goal against the Packers. Yeah. So, exactly. So... Let's examine the why. Is it really like a gut? Is it really like his gut? Or is it his gut with his quarterback? And and this isn't even a rip of Kirk. Kirk is not going to be Justin Fields. So if he has his ideal 
quarterback does he go for it more on fourth down? Because as you just said, the Bears, who are god-awful, are number two for a reason. Well, would you rather have, if you're a young offensive-minded coach, this is a whole nother, I mean, this is, we'll, I'm sure we'll do 100 episodes about this. you got to go where the questions take us, Mackie. But would you rather have a young, super mobile quarterback that's never going to throw for 300 yards because he's just not ready to dissect defenses that way in the NFL? Or would you rather have the? I mean, I would still, I would still rather have the, the professional ten years of reading defenses, dissecting pocket passer. If given the choice between those two things, now there's guys like Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen who have kind of molded both of those things together. That's the hybrid quarterback that this league is moving toward, right? And you'd love one of those. I don't think it's any secret that. If you could like upgrade from Cousins to Josh Allen, I think everyone would would probably say yes, but it's not that easy. You'd probably have to take a risk, land a guy like Fields, who can't dissect the defense for at least three years, but he can pick up some other first downs in some other ways. You know, what would a guy like Kevin O'Connell prefer? Because it might at some point in the next couple of years, it's going to come down to you: Do you continue to ride a thirty-five, a thirty-six-year-old Cousins, or do you move off of him at some point? get $30 million cheaper, but have a a new ball of clay that you have to mold. And there's no way he's going to be able to throw for 400 yards in back-to-back games and, and bring you back maybe in the way that Cousins did. Like, that's a, that's a discussion they're going to have to have. Uh, Dan Heasley says, guys, I have a question about KOC. Since being hired, virtually everyone said we got an offensive genius as a coach or an innovator. Well, from my perspective, we're 16 games in, and if he is this guru... Why does the offense go no-show for a few quarters every single game? We are told we have some of the best weapons in the NFL, but Jefferson is basically the reason we are winning the games we have. I'm going to take this one first. And I'm guilty of this because going into the season on paper, you said, okay, Thielen was kind of banged up last year, but all right, Thielen's coming back. K.J. Osborne had a big season. What was it, 600 yards or whatever? Showed some major promise. You know, Dalvin Cook with a lighter workload and Alex Madison. Boy, these weapons. Irv Smith going into the season. Now, they did bring in TJ Hawkinson. But I think overall, we all overrated the Vikings' skill position weapons. They're still good. Whenever you have Justin Jefferson, you're in really good shape. But they don't really have a true number two wide receiver. They don't really have a true deep threat to put opposite of Justin Jefferson. They have a really good tight end. Not a George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey, but a really good tight end. And the running back room, Alex Madison, averaging three and a half yards a carry the last couple of years. And Dalvin Cook, we've gone through some of the advanced metrics on him. He's still good, but he's not anywhere close to the guy he was like three years ago. Right. So it's it's. I think we are probably guilty here in Vikingsville of overrating and overvaluing on paper what the Vikings skill position players were going to be. Well, and I think more importantly than us, I think the team did. There is no way they signed Thielen to the contract extension reworked that they do if they had an idea about the the fact that, one, he's probably hurt, but two, he's broken down. Yeah. Um, You know, you bring up a very interesting thing about the Cook thing, and I don't know that I can answer the question now. Why doesn't Madison play more? Um. I would think that playing them both would actually have helped both of them. And Madison's in his, in his almost certainly, I would think, last year here. 
So, yeah, I think that that's – I think the team thought Thielen was going to be a very viable player, and I think his disappearance is huge. Like, I don't – because th- think about the game that Thielen has against the Packers if he if he is the the guy that we saw in 2000 – I don't know, 19. He has a huge game because the Packers can't blanket him too. Mm-hmm. And Osborne, I mean, they eventually – found him but i mean i think we have all discovered including the team again and i and o'connell was right about this osborne's a three he just is he's not a two mm-hmm. so they don't have a two and they're trying well, he, to make it ho- he's, a th- he's a three on, a, on an explosive offense well sure but i'm just if things that if their vision had come to fruition he's a three and they're right about that hawkinson who was a great addition is now being made to be wr2 which is probably unfair because he is tight end one and he's good at that. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I go back to that, the drop, well, the semi drop pass that was o- overthrown a bit, but a wide receiver, I think catches that ball in stride. How much different is that? If that passes to Thielen circa 2020, oh, I think yeah. it's caught for an enormous game. It is. So yep. like some of this is I'm, I'm not creating excuses for o- O'Connell because the disappearance of the offense for huge chunks of time is disturbing. It needs to end, but I am saying I think the thought process about some of the skill position guys ended up being flawed. Yeah. To Judd's point too about Madison, it seems like he's always mixed in for at least one series a game, right? Like they, they take yes. Cook out for a series, and yes. that's going to be Madison's series, whether they march on the field and get six or whether they stall out for three and out. So last season, Madison played in thirty-five percent of the snaps for the Vikings. Now that included four starts. Dalvin was out. So he he did start four of those games. This season, it's 25%, which is basically his career average, essentially, uh, with the Vikings over four years. So he's playing less snaps, I guess, from the side that he hasn't been able to start a game because Dalvin's actually been healthy this season for the most part. But it does seem like there's other ways. I mean, we thought Kane Wongwu was going to be mixed into this offense more, and he has barely gotten an offensive snap this season. So Yeah, the, the Wongwu thing, you know, I, we've had people ask that question. Well, why don't they mix him in? If he if he's a viable offensive weapon, they would have used him by now, because they're trying to claw their way to gain more yards and to not have these lulls in the second and third quarter so often. If they had some secret weapon that they thought was deployable, they would. Um, actually, a secret weapon for you to deploy to make watching games more fun this weekend is underdog fantasy. Yeah, that's right. A little uh, I got the Century Tournament going on in golf right now, Phil Mackey, a little PGA action. Oh, yes. oh I love me some over-under action. And they've oh. kind of expanded some of the golf stuff. I know this is Purple Daily, and there's still plenty of great over-unders for this oh. weekend's games. You got playoff daily. football coming out, but this is golf daily, okay? There's plenty. You can even, you know what you can do? You can take the under maybe on JT putts, of, of, of birdie putts at seven and a half. And maybe you want to mix in an over on, on a Nathan Peterman interception game. You can do that at underdog fantasy and when you join promo code score s-k-o-r they'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks go download the underdog fantasy app shout out to to our friends over at finch home solutions for you know people like us that really shouldn't be handling things with like electricity and they just turn it yeah. over to the experts in your house exactly right and it only takes one call to finch to get any electrical issues in your home solved uh for instance driving home yesterday in the hood here i see a couple finch trucks so i checked in with cody i said finch trucks are here what's going on he he said we've got um a a kitchen project well think about it if you do a kitchen project guess what a lot of electrical things right they can take care of that they can also take care of of 
flickering lights, something's wrong, my lights aren't working correctly, faulty outlets. Don't wait until something goes wrong. Finch is offering a free home safety inspection to all of our listeners. And be sure to tell them that you heard about Finch on Score North because there are special deals for you. Finchhomesolutions.com, 612-357-2604. Finchhomesolutions.com. Projects big or small, check in with Finch. This next one's from Deep Tomas on Twitter. He says, you guys in the sports media have been feeding fans bad information about Kirk Cousins for so long that most fans are uh, most fans simply believe the garbage they were told and you know it you know it Judd I'm backing away I'm that's scared. why Cousins that is why Cousins doesn't get the respect he deserves the media narratives about him were always made up BS but that Ooh. hasn't stopped any of you and see, this is where the Cousins Crusaders lose me a little bit or a lot here. Because if you're mm-hmm. pretending like he hasn't taken huge steps forward this year and even parts of last year in key areas, late game clutch gene, if, if you think that he is the same guy now that you held up and deified five years ago, four mm-hmm. years ago, and you're acting like it's a media conspiracy why Cousins never gets the respect that he deserves. That's where you lose all credibility. It drives me nuts. Like, well, finally Judd's on the bandwagon. Finally Phil's on the bandwagon. Well, yeah, finally Cousins is rising up in huge clutch moments this year and parts of last year on a more regular basis. So you can't come in here with this sort of sanctimonious BS saying, oh, finally, oh, finally you've seen the light on Kirk Cousins. No, you deified a mediocre quarterback who failed in key moments for years. And then he proceeded to do the things that those of us who criticized him wanted him to do for years. So, and you're, you're right. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. I just, like, we get comments like this all the time from people yeah. this season. Oh, yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one. NG on YouTube. I love watching Mackie, the lead Kirk hater, Eat crow each week that Kirk plays well. Deep down, Mackie is hating Kirk Cousins' success. On the contrary, NG, I am fully at peace with what's happening with Kirk Cousins. Everything that I and we begged him to do, not everything, but like a lot of the things that we begged him to do more of or be better at, he's checking a lot of those boxes this year. So if anything, it's validating like the things that we sort of saw and wanted to. All right, Kirk, let's uh, let's be a little bit more urgent here late in games. Let's go. Let's go hunting down the field in moments of football crisis. Let's not check down as often. Let's you know, average depth of throw is up like five yards in close games in the fourth quarter compared to a few years ago. Like these are the things we asked for. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's awesome to see some of the success that he has had this year. No. If you want to call hater. us haters or whatever. Hater. No, no, he called you a hater, not me. Yeah. If you, criticize, you, me. If you criticize a player now, you're a yeah. hater. We you, got left alone. Could possibly thinks. be that you're just observing and being honest. You go yeah. cry every after every show <laughs> that you have to that you have to um compliment Kirk Cousins, you go have a good post show cry. I do. It's very tough. I curl up in the fetal position. Your wife's like, What's wrong? Have you said another day praising Kirk? 
It's a media conspiracy why yeah. he doesn't get, or is it, or is it maybe because he's never been to the NFC Championship game? Is a, it, which one is it? The you're media a Geno is. Smith fan. Everyone knows it. That's why you moved because you're a Seahawks. You went to be with Russ, and then Russ left, and he sucks now. And now you're a Geno Smith guy. Just that is it. true. I do love me some Geno Smith, and I'm yeah. wearing my my Jared Goff Lions blue today. Yeah, right. Yeah, my Raiders black here. The poor one out for Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's the it's the media that has held Kirk out of the second round of the playoffs in all but one year of his uh, NFL career. That's what yeah. it is. Joe Buck in guy. particular, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I blame Tony Romo too for holding yeah. Kirk back. Uh, Joe Martin chimes in, sir. Love your content. Best coverage of the Vikings that is fair. I have stopped watching ESPN and most of the mainstream sports media. Um, if it's not Dallas or the Packers, it doesn't get covered. Basically. When other teams get covered, it is usually to insult them or, or it's clear that they did not research what they're saying. Just wanted to thank you guys for your honesty and fair coverage by you guys. I will say the, the reason why ESPN and other platforms cover the Packers isn't because they're a huge market that drives ratings. It's because they're interesting and good for 30 years. Yep. So the and Vikings can get more coverage if they stop stumbling all over themselves in the playoffs and firing coaches and, and yeah, whatnot. it was amazing. The Vikings, I seem to recall, uh, got a ton of coverage when a certain guy who wore uh, four was here. Uh, I just I forget his name. Yeah, Favre. That's right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if you have I, the thing about this is, unless you're the Cowboys, because I feel like they're they're just a team that's going to be covered nationally regardless. If you have what's considered to be a star quarterback, you're going to get covered, and if you don't, you're going to be like, okay. They're playing Sunday. Have you had any type of national coverage that has exceeded the Favre watch in Minnesota since then? I feel like we haven't. I, I mean, I was no. I was seventeen, no. sixteen, no. seventeen, eighteen close. when so I was like a jun- I was a junior in high school for the 09 season, and I remember watching. I mean, because I was glued to Sports Center like crazy, regardless. But I remember just. I mean, I thought it was so cool that Minnesota was. Ba- they had like cameras at msp and yeah. st paul airport basically you didn't on have to cover it weeks. you you didn't have to i didn't it, i was a kid it was uh it it got to be a little much but yes that was the most uh i that probably you guys is the most i've or that we've seen in this town period oh because i mean nothing was as big as brett Favre, and i mean brett Favre transcended he, brett Favre. The, his whole time here was more of a pop culture thing than a sports thing mm-hmm. like yeah. he was he was a he, celebrity yeah. It was like a celebrity just came and plopped down in Minnesota exactly. for two years. Exactly. You know, and it, it quite frankly, it, it made a lot of local media members' careers. I mean, Judd and I became full-time radio hosts out of the Brett Favre stuff. Shortly there, yeah. And if that doesn't happen, like, our careers are probably different, too, going back 10 or 12 years. Yeah, I'm probably. It's really interesting. Judd here for Finch Home Solutions, here with your electrical wiring. If, if Travars Jackson had remained the Vikings quarterback with Sage Rosenfels, friend of the show, 2009-10, <laughs> What would Judd be doing right now? I'd be at the <laughs> liquor store down the street selling, ra- <laughs> ringing it up right now. <laughs> uh, Jonah Kenyon chimes in, says, oh, so uh, Jonah was the first caller on Ventline or the first guest on Ventline last week. Yeah. And he uh, he says, I feel the need to reach out after I came on Ventline. I was the first caller, and I started by saying how I don't think Kirk was to blame for the first two interceptions. It led you, Mackie, to going on a rant, which I thought was pretty epic, about how there are lots of things to blame and no one should be trying to exonerate anyone for that debacle, which I still stand by. Mm -hmm. I think I may have misconstrued the point I was trying to formulate and get across. 
I was more so going for that there was plenty of blame to go around, not necessarily an exoneration of Kirk. I did not think that Kirk was good in any way, shape, or form in that game. I just thought that there was a lot more wrong than just him. Uh, keep up the great work and school Vikings. So your point is clarified. But Judd and I and Declan get so mad sometimes when a debacle game happens and it's a rush to point out, like, either the one thing that's to blame or right. exonerate the things that weren't. That's Well, that's not the reason why they lost. Right. Okay, well, but was was it the reason why they why they won? No, because they got smoked. So it, I think, Joni, you just hit a trigger point with us where people like, well, they got beat, you know, by 40 points, but. Really, it wasn't Kirk. Kirk wasn't really to blame for the. Like, we're looking for solutions, yeah. not looking to exonerate people from blame. I yeah. guess. Yeah, you, when you are as bad as the Vikings were on Sunday, we don't need to pick a star of the game. Yeah, Declan, are you this. okay? Yeah, I'm good. I th- I thought I heard some uh, some pounding, but it was uh, just apartment living. As, okay, as, as we know. So yes, <laughs> I'm okay. So you might have heard pounding. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Judd. You're good. No, I'm just saying that I I don't like when I don't like when we're trying to find positives from a game that bad, or exonerate people from yeah. being part of why I mean, it was bad. No, but there's yeah. nothing positive from that. Yep. There's nothing. The Dallas game, nothing positive. Just dumb. Yep. Just feel free to rip the team as much as you possibly want at that point. Also, generally speaking, except for the mm-hmm. one tip, the tip ball at the line of scrimmage, which happens, it happens. I'll, I'll exonerate him from that one. If you throw a pass into traffic or a 50-50 ball, and I think you should take those risks, especially when you're trailing, it's your fault. Like, you throw a 50-50 ball to Thielen or to Hawkinson, and they're blanket covered, and the ball gets tipped, like, and it's intercepted. Yeah. I mean, you're the one that you, you get strip-sacked. Like, it's, it's there's blame. I'm fine with that. Yeah, uh, Kevin Jones, longtime listener, don't usually leave comments, but I just want to say that it really rubs me the wrong way when sports fans and you guys call NFL players soft like you did on the Monday Purple Daily episode. These guys put their long-term and short-term health on the line every time they strap on the pads, just as DeMar Hamlin's injury shows. Can NFL teams and players be less physical than other teams' players? Absolutely. The Packers played a more physical game on Sunday than the Vikings did. Does that make the Vikings soft as a team or individuals? No. These guys play the most physical game on earth every Sunday, and we sit on our couch and watch. If I was an NFL player, I can't think of anything I would find more disrespectful than being called soft by someone who doesn't play the game. What's that Judd. S A W F T. Soft. What's your response? Well, my response is this: If you don't look, um, if you get your ass kicked physically too, that's in football parlance. That you played a soft game. Well, players um, and coaches. W- w- I can say, say I mean, I can say they could have had more of an edge. They could have, I mean, go back to the Giants, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, the, the Niners playoff loss in 19, okay? They got their ass handed to them physically, up front, on the line. Okay, If you don't like the word soft, that's cool. They were meek. How about that? I, I mean, I just, like, the... The Hamlin they weren't thing, as physical. I just want to be very clear here. The Hamlin thing is is like very unfortunate, very sad. It sounds like it's turned a corner now, and he's he's much improved, breathing by himself, which is awesome. So, like, this is not to downplay what transpired on Monday night at all. But it's not going to make me change how I sort of describe the game. First of all, we, we need to find out why he collapsed. It could have been from the 
the hit. It could be from a heart condition. We have no idea. And thank God he's going to be fine. Um, or, or at least it's trending that way. But all of that being said, I'm not now going to like rethink how I think about football. They're going to continue to play the games. And if the Vikings play a game in which I think they're soft, I'm still going to call them soft. Yeah, I, I would say it's a couple things. I'll, I'll give you like when, when I say soft, I'll explain what I mean when I say soft. I don't even know if I said soft, but sometimes I think soft and I'll explain what that means in my own screwed mm-hmm. up head. But it's all relative, right? It's you're you're grading softness on an NFL curve. Correct. If you took NFL players and teams out of their own sort of bubble and bell curve and put them out just in society, they're all tough. Except yeah. for like weird kickers. Kai Forbath might not be tough. He might be soft. But if you ran into Ed Ingram on the street, Greg Joseph soft? Uh yeah. Greg Joseph is soft. Probably. So you think you think there's a chance. Justin Tucker is hard. Sebastian Janikowski oh. was hard. Okay. Oh God, I love Sebastian Janikowski. Sebas <laughs> was the greatest. Like Ed Ingram appears to be soft as a guard because he gets manhandled all the time. But Ed Ingram, outside of the context of football, is a tough dude. I'm guessing if you just like got into a pushing match with him, he'd. You probably wouldn't call him soft afterwards, right? He'd kick your ass, yes. So it's all relative. It's all within the bubble and context of football. And players and coaches say it. I mean, hell, Mike Zimmer got in trouble with his whole locker room one time for calling the offensive line soft after a loss in 2016, right? Like it it said, when I personally say soft, when I call the Vikings a soft team this year, I mean stylistically. They have the third fewest rushing attempts of any team in the NFL. So they're very finesse in that way. And on defense, they play more off coverage than almost any team in the NFL. So they're not jamming you at the line of scrimmage. Their cornerbacks are playing five, eight, ten yards off more than most teams are. So stylistically, the Vikings are finesse. They're very soft. They're they're not going to get up and punch you in the mouth at the line of scrimmage. They're not going to run the ball down your throat on a regular basis. They're going to throw. They're going to spread you five wide. And they're going to play soft shell coverage on defense. So, I mean... I could use a different word, but I, I just think that that for probably a brief period of time, I feel like the Hamlin thing is going to be this like fall fallback for, well, you can't criticize these guys. They're out there risking their, their lives, blah, blah, blah. And I look, it was incredibly unfortunate, but again, we don't, e- we don't even know exactly why he, he collapsed. I mean, it could have happened anywhere possibly. And the other thing is, am I going to rethink how I think about this game completely because of that? No, I have an appreciate. Look, I have an appreciation for what these guys do. And I don't think that they're treated particularly well by the league. And I've said that for years. And I still believe that to be accurate. All of that being said, I just want to be really cautious about the small faction now that says, well, we got to rethink how we think of this, how we think of of what they do. I, I can't go. I mean, I'm watching a game where it's literally we've had people paralyzed before okay yeah like if I, like if i'm gonna buy into watching it i can't like re redo my mind for how i perceive it i yeah i get i mean i think i it has made me think and reflect a little bit this week and maybe i'm just more of a reflective and it should, but it should soft guy but me too but it I does make that. i mean and Booney and i talked about this on trenches this week you know he, i asked him does this make you rethink your relationship with football and he, and he said yes you know this is like 48 hours after it happened he said yeah i mean it makes me think about do i want my 10 year old kid playing football like i mean it makes me 
Now, is he, is he going to think about it and then just, okay, and maybe, maybe it winds up that DeMar Hamlin, who's, by the way, he was on a Zoom call with his teammates today. Now, he wasn't speaking, but he was, like, giving hand signals, and he did at one point, I think, softly say, I love you guys. Yeah. So, obviously, if he does get back to, you know, almost 100% who he was before, I think the anxiety of the situation will subside more. Yeah. Um, but I think it's okay for you to reflect and does it change my relationship with football? I don't know. But well, from a, from a perspective of like, you're going to watch a bunch of games this weekend and you're still going right. to you know, critique as a fan or get, you know, get mad if your left tackle gets blown over by a, you know, an edge rusher or something. Yeah. And, and Phil, don't forget that Boone told us, was that when the stadium opened and we, yeah. we were there? Do, it was at to- it was at training camp the next year. Yeah. Okay. Well, when we flat out asked him if if this took what if you knew that playing football was going to take ten years, I think it was ten years. Would you trade off, ten years? Yeah. Yes, and he said absolutely. Yep. I mean, he didn't hesitate. He didn't blink. He said yep. absolutely. It's it's yeah. So I mean, so it's yeah, it's tough. Uh, one more here from Blaze Mancini. Mancini says, hey, I got two questions I'd like y'all to discuss. My hot take, we should have brought Rex Ryan in as a defensive coordinator or an advisor. Why wasn't he ever an option? I think he makes a lot of money at ESPN. And when's yeah. the last time he coached now? I mean, he coached the Bills. That's that's Let's years see. ago now. He, I don't think he's been in the league for five years. I love Rex Ryan, man. He's hilarious. What is he now? A, yeah. I think he'd be a little much for an O'Connell I, I think he's Rex. Young, he's younger than I thought. He's sixty. I thought he was older. I think Rex would. Um, I think Rex might not be a culture fit. To use yeah. one of our favorite words, his last stint as a defensive coordinator was fifteen years ago with Baltimore. Yep. Otherwise, he's been a, he's been a head coach with the Jets and then with the Bills. And but that was last his last uh, six years ago. Okay. He's been on ESPN, and he's brilliant for tv right he's personality guy mm-hmm. toughness guy but i think rex ryan if he came back right now as a dc and you're a young coach i think he might overwhelm the room he may yeah, like, he may. like you need to have some control there and i think rex would come in and be rex and it might be a little bit uncomfortable i'm pretty sure he did have kevin o'connell on uh, hard knocks that one year though didn't he like, yeah he let him go. Wait or something. Jets. Mm-hmm. He let Kevin O'Connell go in hard knocks. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Still holds a grudge. And then his second question is here from Blaze: Why does everyone put this draft class on Quasi when it was Spielman's scouting staff that did all the pre-draft work? Quasi couldn't hire new scouts and build a long-term plan for those scouts in a month's time. So I think this draft class is still eighty percent on Spielman. Oh, wow. Well, but Quasi was doing a lot of preparation for, like, I'm sure he was doing draft preparation with. Cleveland. Cleveland. Well, so he and, wasn't oblivious to who the players were. Well, and also if if he knew the players and the and the scouting department came to him and said, "Ha, ah, we love this guy," and he said, "I don't," then guess what? He takes his guy. Yeah, he doesn't take their. And I, if I'm not mistaken, too, I don't think that they made the substantial changes that we expected post draft, because that's ordinarily the sign that that you were going to use those people through the draft and then bring your folks in. I don't yeah. think he made a ton of changes. So, and I don't know that there's a ton of difference. If you take each team's scouting staff, thirty-two scouting staffs, and you said, "Okay, what's your consensus?" You get your staff, your staff, your staff, your staff. What's your all of your consensus big boards? Right. I don't think you're going to see like wild, drastic changes 
I mean, there's going to be some fringe like these two scouting staffs thought this. But I don't know that changing out your scouting staff for a whole new scouting staff is going to bring you like wildly different big boards, if that makes sense. These are all professional football scouts that probably have some of the same ways of going about business. I am so disappointed that you said big board and didn't fire the button. Sorry. I mean, football. Give yourself some credit, would you? I want to eat Nutrisaurus. That's what Maya sings every single morning. <laughs> Not you, okay? <laughs> she, she was, uh, she was. Yesterday, we went out and about. You might have saw a picture on Twitter of old Macadac drinking some red wine, eating tacos at a Nordstrom's. If you're wondering yeah, how uh, my early evening went yesterday, great time. But it meant that Maya Mackey had to wait a couple extra hours for her normal feeding time. And this is the look on the YouTube channel that she gives us when we're. Uh, not, not quite on time per her schedule. She loves her Nutrisource chicken and rice and training treats in particular, Judd. Yes, and, and Stells, she lo- loves the same things, including the treats. In fact, she, that little girl there, she's 12. She is still going outside as much as possible, not because she has to, but because she knows that when she gets back in and shakes that snow off, guess what? There's going to be a training treat waiting for her. And if it's not, there's hell to be paid because Stella also knows Nutrisource is not only delicious, but good for her. She's healthy. She's happy. And that makes me, as her pop-pop, very happy. Amen. Amen. Her pop-pop. I love it. Can I ask um, a question real quick? Sure. NutrisourcePetFoods.com. NutrisourcePetFoods.com. I, I got a question for you. So the picture I saw on Twitter of you with a glass of wine and staring weirdly at a taco. Um, what was that exactly? What was like, what? You're like You're gazing at the taco. Yeah. Like, like, dude, the, have you ever had the tacos at Nordstrom's club. restaurant? No, I've not. Have you guys ever? I'm asking. Right, I understand the ridiculousness of this question. Have you guys ever been to the Nordstrom bar and restaurant? Uh, I didn't even they, know that they had one. This is what's happening now. These like Nordstrom's and a couple of mostly Nordstrom's because, you know, people, you're just going to shop on Amazon or shop online. How can we get more right. people in the door and hanging out? Fair. By having great tacos. Nordstrom? Chicken tacos, hard shell chicken tacos at Nordstrom's Bar and Restaurant. I don't even know what it's uh, called. Isn't it Nordstrom located in Seattle too? I think like their, uh, like their headquarters. Yeah, I think they are. Oh, I think you're. I think this it was, was just the Nordstrom. I don't know. Okay, you guys anyway, have Nordstroms. You you were looking at that taco like it is your high school sweetheart. Yeah, you were though. Uh, yeah, I was probably looking at that taco with more passion than I looked at my wife a split second later. And, and I she love took my the wife, picture, but those tacos she took are the amazing. Picture, so she knew, she knew that that look was the look <laughs> she wants, but instead it was directed at the plate. It was a candid shot, wasn't it? Yep. Something. I'm telling you guys, don't laugh till you tried them. Oh, the, I'll go the try The hard it. shell tacos at Nordstrom's, game changer. Yeah. What's cool. the most, here's what I want to know from people. Maybe we can ask this on Mackie and Judd later. What's the most... What's the food item that you're kind of ashamed to say that you're into? For me, Nordstrom tacos. Mm, I, I got to think this. on this. You're kind of ashamed. You're like, mm, have you guys ever had the too. blank at blank? It's pretty good. Um, pretty good. Is it is it a shame to say White Castle sliders? No, I don't think that's a shame. I love me some White Castle sliders. Do you get the 20 pack? Oh, I, I can down 10, case. no problem. 10, no problem. <laughs> no. We used to live uh, a year out of college. We used to live over kind of in Northeast. There's a White Castle. I don't know if it's still oh, yeah. there or not. Yeah. But uh, we used to, you know, go out to the bars or whatever in Northeast and then just go get like two Crave cases, oh, three, four guys, 
And one morning I woke up, we, it was a group of friends that also played online poker. And so one night we all like went out, got some crave cases and then all kind of crashed. A couple guys crashed like in the living room, woke up in the morning and uh, one of my buddies was still sleeping at whatever time it was in the morning. In his left hand was an open laptop at a, at a cash game, a poker cash game table. He had just been, I think after, after you've been dormant for like 30 minutes, they just like take you off the table, but you can still see how the other players playing. So uh, he's just sitting with an open laptop, a poker player, a, a poker game going on. And then in his right hand was a half eaten white castle slider with ketchup coming down the corner of his mouth. Oh, that's, that's, that's iconic. I love that. Yeah, sure. That sounds like a I painting. That yeah. sounds like a, a painting. <laughs> it does. All right. Uh, that's a wrap here on Nordstrom Tacos Daily. We should get an endorsement from them for this. We should. I'll make a phone call. I didn't right even after know that, that they had a restaurant. Dude, you got to mm-hmm. get out of your house Dayton's once in a while. You got to get to Nordstrom's. Love Dayton's yep. back, back in the day. They had a great restaurant. Yeah. Greatest, greatest salad bar in town. Top of Dayton's downtown had a, a great department restaurant. store salad bar might be a step. No, dude, great this is popovers. Dayton. Great popovers dude, this at is Dayton's. Dayton's. I know exactly. No, this is Dayton's. Not, but... I I know what you're saying. If it's a Sears salad bar, probably out. But Dayton's man, That's high right. class. You draw great the line salad at bar. Sears salad bar. Okay. I'm probably not going to go Sears or J.C. Penney's. Salad bar, but Dayton's I would do every time. And Nordstrom, put them put them on the list. All right, all right. Okay. That's uh, that's Purple Daily here. Feedback Friday. We'll see you guys for some purple picks tomorrow.